Hi, Grace Fellowship family. This is not exactly how I plan to be with you today, but COVID decided to hang around a little bit longer. Symptoms are mild, but just didn't want to get anybody sick if we didn't have to. This morning, you had an opportunity to hear from Nolan Calloway. He is one of our elder candidates. He's not served as an elder at Grace before, and so sharing his testimony was helpful for you next week. Uh, we will have Randy Scott, who is also an elder candidate, who will share his testimony. And then the following week, Dave Christensen, who is uh, a candidate f- to serve as deacon, he also is going to share a little bit of his testimony. So that's a great way for you to get to know people who may not have served in these positions before, just to have a, a personal touch, a personal feel with them. Now, along with that, we also have David Torbert, who has already served as an elder, so he won't be coming up to do his testimony, but we're excited to be able to put a slate of new leadership before you. These men are called to a sacred task. They're called to serve Jesus by serving his church, and we see much of that in the New Testament. And in in fact, here in a moment, we're going to read of two men who were set apart and who were sent who had a sacred task entrusted to them and were faithful in their execution of that task. And I believe as we look through this, what we're going to find is we're going to learn a little bit about what it means to be true to our calling. Because here's a, re- here's a realization. Whether you serve as an elder, whether you serve as a deacon, whether you're sent as a missionary, we are all called to a sacred task as followers of Jesus Christ. And so would you join your hearts with me as we prepare to open God's word together. Father God, I do pray that today as we read your word, as we come to understand it better, as we come to receive it, Lord, we pray that you will teach us from this word, that it will be an encouragement to us, that it will be a challenge to us, that it will be motivation to us as we've now stepped into this new year. Lord, we want to be faithful to the calling that you have on our lives, realizing that whatever it is that you call us to, no matter how it is that you call us to serve you and to serve others in Jesus' name, it is indeed a sacred task. And we do it not simply because it makes us feel good and not even to help other people. Lord, we do it to glorify you as we live out our faith day in and day out. And so, Lord, open our minds, open our hearts, open our eyes to receive what you have for us in your word today. For we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're going to be in Acts chapter 13. If you'll remember, last time we had the last verse of chapter 12 and the first verse of chapter 13. Well, we're going to kind of overlap a little bit with that first verse of chapter 13 and go all the way through verse 12. So if you'll follow with me as we read God's word together. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. They set apart 
Barnabas and Saul. To be set apart means two things. It means we're set apart from something. God is calling us to to take a step away from what is normal, maybe even what is comfortable. He's calling us from something, but God is also calling us to something. He has something out there for us. And it's not only true of Barnabas and Saul, this sacred task. It is true for us. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul writes, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Isn't that amazing? We're God's workmanship. We're God's masterpiece in the making. And he has good works. He has something he's called us to do, a task, a sacred task that he has called for each of us. And he has already been preparing us to take that next step. And some of you may be struggling right now in this new year. You may be wondering, hey, how do I find this task, this sacred calling in my life? And maybe today this will help just a little bit. Back in Acts chapter 9, we had already revealed, uh, seen that, that it had been revealed to, to Saul by a guy named Ananias. It had already been revealed what his task was going to be. And that was this, Acts chapter 9, verses 15, 16. Go, he, he said, for he is a chosen instrument, God's chosen Saul, of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and, the king, and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Saul's task was to carry the gospel. And he was to carry the gospel to the Jewish nation, but he was also to carry the gospel to the Gentiles. He was to carry the gospel to common people, but he would also carry the gospel to royalty. But it was a calling in Saul's life that was going to come with a great cost. He would face suffering and he would face hardship. Now, this was, this was God's call on Saul's life. And this is something that he was going to discover and see it lived out as he went through his uh, missionary journeys. And so let, let's pick up with verse 4. It says here, So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. And when they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And they had John to assist them. All right, so let's, let's get a few details here may help us. Seleucia was the port city that was nearest uh, to Antioch on the Mediterranean. And that would be the place from which uh, Saul and, and, and Barnabas and, and this guy John that we just read about, where they were going to sail from as they departed on this missionary journey. And so they sailed with John. This is, John, this is not John the disciple. This is John Mark, and we've already talked a little bit about him. They sailed with him to Cyprus. Cyprus was the home, if you'll remember, of Barnabas. And so they're going to an area that's kind of familiar territory, which is not a bad place to start, going to familiar territory, going to people perhaps Barnabas knew and had a heart for in order to share the gospel and to encourage the church there. 
And, and the way that they did it, the pattern that, that uh, Saul and Barnabas followed was to go first to the synagogues, and there in the synagogues, they would be allowed, because remember, Saul is a very learned man. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He knew the scriptures like the back of his hand. And so in the synagogue, in the open synagogue, he would be allowed to open a scroll and then to share truth from that, to expound on that scripture. And so they already have an open door, an opportunity in order to reach the Jewish nation with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, Luke doesn't tell us how that went. He doesn't give us the details of how well that went. But if, if anything's like we've, we read in the rest of Acts, it's kind of a mixed bag. There'll be some people that said, yep, I believe that. I believe Jesus is Messiah. I'm going to trust him and follow him. There'd be others that were kind of iffy on the fence, and there'd be some who would be absolutely dead set against it. So we can just assume that probably happened as well. He said in verse 6, when they'd gone through the whole island as far as Paphos. Now, let me stop here because Paphos, if you look at an island of Cyprus, where they would have landed would have been on the eastern shore of Cyprus. Paphos is now on the southwestern shore. So they basically traversed the entire island to another port city sharing the gospel as they went along the way and encouraging believers who were already in Cyprus because they'd been scattered from the persecution that was in Jerusalem. So let's finish that verse 6 and then uh, read to the end of the chapter. It says, They came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He was the first, he was the proconsul. He was with, excuse me, the proconsul, Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the magician, for that is the meaning of his name, opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, who was also called Paul, and here we see the transition now. It's not that this is a new name for Paul. This is probably a Jewish name, Saul and a Greek name, Paul. So Saul, who's also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And now, behold, the hand of the Lord is on you, and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. Immediately, Mist and darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed, and when he saw what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. So this is an interesting story here. Here, Barnabas and Saul encounter two people on the Isle of Paphos. One is a government official, the proconsul. He's kind of the governor of the area. His name is Sergius Paulus. And he, he is, he's described by Luke as an intelligent man, meaning he, he, he was a man who thought for himself. But there's another person here in the story, a Jewish false prophet who goes by the name of Bar-Jesus. Now, Bar it means, means son of, 
And Jesus, of course, we, we know it, we know what Jesus means. And it could have been that his dad's name was Jesus or Joshua. That's possible. But it may also be that he was playing on the name Jesus, basically hijacking the name Jesus to enhance his own reputation. Remember, the gospel's already gotten there. It's already begun to infiltrate. It's already begun. People have been converted, and they've seen the power of God at work. And so to connect himself with the name Jesus, which was a a name in the headlines, would have been a wise thing for him to do, although a little bit deceitful, since he himself was not a follower of Jesus. Now, uh, Luke refers to him as uh, Elimus, uh, the magician or the sorcerer, for that's what his name means. Evidently, uh, this Elimus had, had gained the ear of Sergius Paulus, and he, it means he had a friend in high places. And he didn't want to lose that connection. He didn't want to lose that influence. He didn't want to lose the ear that he had with the, the lead guy, the lead Roman official, who happened to be on Cyprus. And so this proconsul, remember, he's an intelligent man. He's looking for truth. He calls, he says, I want to see Barnabas. I want to see Saul. Bring them in. I want to hear what they have to say, hear what they're teaching, to hear the word of God from them. But Elimus realized that, wait a minute, if they come in here talking about Jesus, this Jesus whose name I've hijacked, if they come in here talking about Jesus, they're going to learn the truth. And, and the proconsul may kick me out. He may just say, I've got no further use for you. And so he really began to actively work against them to oppose what Paul and Barnabas were teaching. Now, apparently, Elimus in the story was, was present when, when this meeting took place with, with, Paul, with Barnabas and Saul. And he was actively contradicting their message and encouraging Sergius Paulus, hey, hey, don't listen to these guys, these upstarts. You got to trust me. Hey, you know me. Uh, and, you know, kind of the used car salesman kind of thing. No offense to used car salesman, but really trying to, you know, to sell it that he was the guy you ought to listen to until Saul had had enough. And led by the Holy Spirit, says Saul looked directly at him and said, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And now, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you'll be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. So Elimus had claimed to be the son of Jesus. And yet, what Saul says is, no, that's not true at all. You're the son of the devil. A complete contradiction. He said that he, he correctly identified him not only as that, but also as, the, the, a, as an opponent to, an enemy of righteousness and the truth. And he was guiding Sergius Paulus down a crooked path. Think about that. There are people in this world who, who are like that. They, they use the name Jesus. They co-opt the name Jesus, but begin to take people down paths that aren't straight. They go to the left and then to the right and, and meander and wander around nowhere when we're told that straight is the way. That's the way of Jesus, straight. But no, this, this guy, Elimus, he's, he's trying to lead Sergius Paulus astray 
just to keep his ear, to keep the influence that he has now gained. And it says that when Sergius Paulus saw the power of God on display and, and the mouth of, the, of Elamus was shut, then he was able to hear the word and to receive the word about Jesus, to trust in Jesus himself. For a time, he was astonished by the words and the deeds of a magician. But here we read, he is astonished by the life-changing word of God. Now, this is an incredible story full of God's power, full of the, the power of the gospel. But I simply this morning want to share with you two truths that may, we can carry from here today that I think can help us as we seek to fulfill the sacred task, the sacred calling that God has on each of our lives. And the first one is this. We are most likely to hear from God when we are actively seeking God. We're most act- likely to hear from God when we're actively seeking him. Now, when did God reveal this plan to uh, the church in Antioch? Well, they were worshiping. They were fasting. They were seeking after God. And so many times, here's what we want. We want God to give us a detailed plan. This is where I want you to go. This is what I want you to do. On and on and on and on and on. The only way we're going to find that is not when we're seeking the plan of God, but when we're seeking the face of God, when we're seeking God himself, when we're spending time in God's word, when we're spending time in prayer, when we're spending time in worship, even, yes, even when we take time to fast, to set aside those things that satisfy our physical hunger so that our spiritual hunger for God can be increased and multiplied. God revealed his will to the church in Antioch when the people were seeking after God. They were seeking after it because they were open to God's leading. And they were open to God's timing. Remember, we already knew what what Saul was going to do. It had already been revealed. But they were not only seeking that. they, They wanted to know, is this the time? Is this the time? Is this the time? And really, there, there are a lot of things about timing that when we're looking for God's will that can change. But I can promise you this one thing. The Bible says about salvation, now is the time. Now is the time. And perhaps today, if the Holy Spirit is calling upon your heart, he's telling you the same thing. Now is the time. Now is the day of salvation for you. And so today you might turn from your sins and turn to Christ and acknowledge that he is Savior and Lord of your life so that your name might be written in the Lamb's book of life and you might follow him for the rest of your days and on in to eternity. So they were open to God's leading and they were open to God's timing. And the direction that God gave them, get this, the direction that God gave them didn't contradict anything he'd already said. It was absolutely consistent with what he had said way back. Remember Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, to the very ends of the earth. And so that's the first truth that we have today, that we're most likely to hear from God when we are actively seeking him 
And the second truth I want us to carry away today is this. There will always be those who use the name of Jesus to keep people away from him. There will always be. There are cults. There are sects. There are all kinds of groups that will use the name Jesus in order to keep people away from Jesus. And because that's true, there are going to be times in our proclamation that we are going to have confrontation. Now, I don't think Saul went in there looking for a fight by any stretch of the imagination. But as he was led by the Holy Spirit, he boldly opposed the evil that was in front of him. We're told to always be prepared to give a a reason for the hope that we have within us and that we're to do that with gentleness and respect. We need the leadership of the Holy Spirit. We need the wisdom of the Holy Spirit to know how to confront those who are opposing the gospel. Sometimes it does require us to step up and to be more bold. The gospel, you see, can be confrontational, It can even be offensive to some, but there's no reason that we should be. There's no reason that we need to personally and intentionally be offensive as we're sharing the gospel. There is a winsomeness. There is a joy that should come across in us because we have a relationship with Christ. Remember, this is ultimately a spiritual battle. And a spiritual battle is not fought with physical weapons. Physical battle is fought with physical weapons. Spiritual battle is fought with spiritual weapons. Worship and prayer and fasting and serving and sacrifice, stewardship, all these are the weapons of war that we have been given And we need to step up and be ready to confront whatever there is in society, to confront whatever truth there is that would lead people away from the heart of Jesus. And my prayer today is that God might give us courage to fulfill the sacred calling he has on our lives and that he might give us the humility to carry it out in a way that reflects the heart of Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this word. Thank you for its truth. Thank you for its power. Fathers, we read it, we come to understand that not only did Barnabas and Saul, not only did they have a calling on their lives, but we too, God, have a calling on our lives. Acts 1-8 still applies to us. We may just live it out in a little bit different way in our circumstance. We realize, God, that your word says that that we are your workmanship. We're your handiwork. And you've created us in Christ Jesus to do good works. God, give us the wisdom to know what those are and the passion to pursue those with all our heart for your glory, for your glory, for your glory alone. And Lord, I want to pray for us in this church family that we would be committed to the task at hand, to the mission that you've entrusted to us, and we will pursue it with all our hearts. But Lord, I want to pray right now for that person who may be here today, who may be in the sound of my voice, 
who may not know your son as Savior. Father, I pray that they will be like Sergius Paulus, an intelligent, thinking man or woman. And that they will consider the truth of your word. And that having followed the prompting of the Spirit, they will surrender themselves to you. Lord, I ask for that in Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray that in this new year, that you might be glorified as we bring people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. But we pray it in his name. Amen. Hey, before we go, I just want to let you know, there are, we're going to have someone down front. If you are here today and you need to make a decision, we're going to have some leaders down front for you. You can come and connect with them and let them know you're ready to receive Christ today. You're ready to join his church. You're ready to be part of God's family. But I also want to let you know if you're watching at home or like I might be, that I, like I'm doing today, if you're watching at home or, or if you are, uh, maybe you're viewing this a little bit later, you can always let us know that you've made a decision simply by texting the name Jesus to 706 703 4477 or sending us an email with some details in it uh, to my next steps at gracefellowship.ws. We look forward to seeing you soon. I look forward to being back with you in person. God bless you and have a wonderful, wonderful new year.